0: Welcome to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. I'm Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you today on the show. We have some very special guests coming up next segment. We're going to have on three physicians from the state of Mississippi that are standing up against vaccine jab mandates. We're going to have them on next segment. To talk about what they're doing to stand up for all Mississippians and furthermore stand up for all Americans and the right to make your own medical decisions so we'll talk to them next segment so you're gonna want to stay tuned for that we need more men and women with courage standing up against the tyranny today so we're gonna highlight the ones who are standing up we'll do that next segment Proverbs chapter 3 verse 29 and 30 do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm what we need now ladies and gentlemen is we need unity we need to, we need unity in the body of christ that's what we need today in america 2021 so that's what proverbs chapter 3 29 and 30 is encouraging us towards do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Uh, so that's stirring us towards unity, unity over God's word and what his word says about our lives and how we should conduct ourselves. And that's what, you know, that's what the whole purpose of this show is and what we do here at American Family Association on American Family Radio each week is we are, we are fighting for the very fabric of Western civilization. If you're a history buff, you know that this country was built by Christian men and women who wanted a free land where there could be religious liberty, where there could be economic liberty and prosperity, where people could make their own decisions about how they're going to live and conduct themselves each day and i believe it was thomas jefferson that said that the, the constitution was written for a moral and religious people and it is wholly inadequate for anyone else and bobby can fact check me there on my founding father quote but i'm pretty sure that's who said that and that's exactly right you know you take you take a godless people and you place them under the ruling of god's word and biblical values and principles, and you get absolute chaos. You get chaos because you got good rules, good standards, good laws, and bad people living under them, and you you create chaos. And so, uh, much of America still has you know biblical principles driving our lawmaking, or at least many of the laws that have been on the books for decades, if not hundred or two hundred years. Um, But we have a total, a complete godless people living under these laws. And that's where you see the chaos. You have the breakdown of the family, the breakdown of God's institution, the family. And from that, man, just chaos ensues. And we're really seeing this today uh, where we have a godless people electing godless people to run our country. And so we we need people of faith running our country. That's what we need. We need Christians running our country. Oh, Walker, how can you say that? We are the separation of church and state. No, we need Christians running this country. That's how you get just laws. That's how you get good public policy, biblical public policy, that guides people in the direction of righteousness. But when you have the God-haters in charge, folks, it's a free-for-all. It's a wild, wild west. And in our scenario, <laughs> in America, it's the wild, wild north, south, east, and west is what we're seeing today. We need moral people. We need godly people in government uh, writing the laws and enforcing the laws. That's what's best for our society. And to do that, we need discipleship making. We need to make disciples, which is part of our... um Mission. It is our mission here at American Family Association. The uh, uh, one story I want to mention. This segment is this uh, teachers' union in, well, it's the American Federation of Teachers, so it's the U.S. one of the teacher unions in the United States. Well, they, uh, their leaders, uh, the president, their leader. The president, uh, Randy, her name is Randy Weingarten. She shared an article on Twitter that claims that parents do not have a right to help determine what their children learn in school. More specifically, I will cite the tweet. Um, she responded, this uh, American Federation of Teachers president, Randy Weingarten, she responded to a Washington Post column that described movements by parents to influence what schools teach their children as, quote, paranoid and, quote, frenzy. A- a parents are in a frenzy and characterize parental involvement in education as an obstacle to children, quote, thinking for themselves, end quote. So Randy Weingarten, the president of this teachers' union, put out a statement and said, uh, Great p- great piece on parents' rights in public schools, citing the Washington Post hit piece, on parents involved at the local level. You know, they claim that that s- kids are thinking for themselves. No, they're not. They're not thinking for themselves. Children are going to be influenced by someone some way. And so the question is, is who's going to be influencing our children? Who is going to be influencing our children? I would suggest that us parents need to be the primary influencers of our children, the primary disciplers of our children. And if we think that if we buy into this false narrative that this teachers union president is putting out, that these schools are this they're this neutral body that allows for open debate, open discussion, and free thinking, that's absolutely not true. Children are being taught things at school. Some things are good, some things are bad, uh, but they are being inherently that the whole point of going to an educational setting is to be taught things, to be taught subject matters, to be taught all kinds of stuff. So uh, schools are not this neutral environment. All right, still our, 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 our kids are going to be taught something when they go to school, so we need to make sure they're taught the right thing. Um, and it starts in the household. And parents do have an absolute right to um, know what's going on at the school, be involved in what's going on at their local school. More parents being involved is actually a good thing. And by the way, we're paying taxes as well. So there's that argument. We're footing the bill for all the teachers to get paid and the principal and the superintendent. Uh, so I think we ought to have a seat. I think we ought to have a say, and if you don't want us to have a say, then give us a tax credit, and we'll take that money somewhere else, and we'll go start our own schools, which we're actually uh, many people are doing that right now as we speak. Another story I wanted to mention is um, this story out of North Carolina on this all this diversity nonsense. Um, you know, our country's really, really gone overboard on the diversity nonsense to such an extent that we're discriminating against people based on immutable characteristics given to them by their creator, God. Um, this story is out of North Carolina. The gentleman's name, who is the victim here, his name is David Duvall. He worked at Novent Health in North Carolina. It's a major medical system in North Carolina. He was, uh, David Duvall was fired by Novent Health in 2018, and he was replaced by two women who now now share his role. One is white and one is black. Why do we have to cite their skin color? I don't really know. It actually does come into context here in the story. But uh, this gentleman, David Duvall, was a vice president, was a marketing vice president at this uh, Novant Health in North Carolina. Well, he says he was inexplicably, inexplicably, inexplicably. uh, This is from the Daily Mail, by the way. He says he was inexplicably. Boy, am I having trouble today. (laughs) He was fired without excuse. Let me put it that way. Uh, David Duvall was fired without excuse. He was terminated just days before reaching his five-year work anniversary, a milestone that would have awarded him a higher severance payout than that which he was given uh, when he was fired, just under five years. So David Duvall sued the medical system, sued the health system in North Carolina, in his complaint, he said that while both women were qualified for the job, they were no more qualified than he was. He was replaced by two women, one named Kate Everett and the other named Vicki Free. So they both took his position and shared the position. His attorneys proposed that he was fired, quote, out of the clear blue sky, end quote, because he was a white man and that the move was in keeping with the hospital's, quote, five-year plan to boost diversity by 2020. They said he wasn't the only white executive fired. In his complaint, he said the chief legal officer, medical group president, chief information officer, patient experience officer, and president of Haymarket Medical Center, which is a subsidiary, they were all replaced by either a black person or a woman in the 12 to 18 months after they fired David. Devall. Well, the grand jury agreed with him, David, that is, and on Tuesday of this past week, they awarded him $10 million in reverse discrimination payout. So congratulations to David Duvall, and since I covered his story on my show, maybe he can just send me, I don't know, $100,000. That would be awesome. Uh, No, uh, on a serious note, the whole moral of this story is, folks, is that we ought not be making decisions based on people's skin color. We ought not be making decisions based on some, whether someone is male or female. You have what Martin Luther King Jr. said, which what Wesley brought in the show on Tuesday, and is that we should be, we should be judging people, and yes, it is okay to judge people. By the way, we should be judging people based on the content of their character and their qualifications for the job not based on their skin color, which is immutable. They didn't pick their skin color. They were born with it. Same thing with being male or female. And so let me just pump my foot on the brakes of this diversity train and warn America and warn the body of Christ, by the way, to not make decisions based on immutable characteristics. Don't hire or fire someone Are befriend someone or not befriend someone based on their skin color. Because this train goes both ways. It can go down both tracks. And we can start saying, well, affirmative action, and we need more minorities in these positions. Okay, well, by saying that, by doing the whole affirmative action, politically correct nonsense, you're saying that we're okay with discriminating against other people who don't fit those qualifications. That's what you're saying. Because at the end of the day, if you're letting people's skin color drive your decision-making, then the people who don't have skin color that meet the qualification, then they're getting pushed to the side, which is exactly what this country is supposed to be fighting against, right? We're supposed to be fighting against discrimination based on immutable characteristics. And so David Duvall, the diversity train came down his track and he said, I'm not gonna have it. So he sued Novant Health in North Carolina, and now he's a multimillionaire. So all you corporations out there that are pedal to the metal on the diversity train saying, we need more of this, more of that, more of this, more of that, you better be careful. You better start hiring people and firing people based on the content of their character and their job qualifications, and their job performance, not based on skin color or whether they're male or female. A very dangerous road to go down. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in just a few minutes. They said to each other,
1: Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the Scriptures? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. These words were shared between Cleopas and his companion on the seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus as Jesus, in resurrected form, used the Hebrew Scriptures to reveal himself to them as the Messiah. There are at least 109 distinct biblical prophecies The Messiah had to fulfill. The mathematical probability of such a feat occurring is astoundingly absurd, yet that absurdity is satisfied in Jesus, the Messiah. Come let us adore Him.
2: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner. For more, from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
3: This is Raising the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. According to Barna Findings,
4: three out of four teenagers have engaged in at least one type of psychic or witchcraft-related activity. The same study found three out of every 10 church teenagers had received any teaching from their church about elements of the supernatural. As Christian parents, it is our shared responsibility to raise up girls in the light of Christ and to guard them from the harmful occult. Galatians warns us against the acts of the flesh, including witchcraft that will prevent humanity from entering the kingdom of God. Using Ouija boards, exploring Wiccan ideology, and seeking out professional fortune-telling are among the most common ways teens are trying to tap into the supernatural. Take the time to read scripture with your daughter and remind her that there is
3: no one more powerful than the Lord our God. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. All for the sake of the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and let me tell you about Jaime. He's an itinerant pastor in Ecuador in Latin America. He'll travel days by foot, boat, and mule. He's been beaten by warlocks. He's been robbed of everything in his possession, and he suffered broken bones after falling 60 feet in the Andes Mountains. Now, what awaits him at the end of each trip? It's a thriving congregation of more than 100 believers where Christianity is fiercely opposed. And when I share Jaime's story and how he serves for the sake of the gospel, I recall Isaiah is 6-8. Whom shall I send? Who will go? And I believe this man is admirably answering that call and enduring more than most pastors ever will. And like others in the world where Bibles are desperately needed, Jaime is humbly asking us to send God's Word. Bible League invites you to send a Bible for only $5 every gift match, regardless of size. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or click sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org org
2: AFA at the core podcast are available at AFR.net back to AFA at the core on American Family Radio
0: welcome back to AFA at the core here on the American Family Radio Network you know when I talk about the swamp when I talk about the problems in our nation's capital it sure does go both ways Democrats and Republicans are partly to blame for where our country is, and we get these folks, and they talk to the talk, and then we elect them, and they go to Washington, and boy do they change! Boy do they drink that Potomac Kool Aid, and they begin doing things that they never would have done, and they begin going to the fancy dinners, and the lobbyists start knocking on their door, and uh, the speeches come, and they get paid buku's of money for the speeches. And then before you know it, oh, they're a part of the swamp. They're a part of the swamp. Uh, this leads me to this story I'll mention real quick before we welcome our guest. And that is a story about North Carolina Senator Richard Burr. We covered this story on my weekend show that I used to have before AFA at the core. Well, Richard Burr, the senator from North Carolina, he was investigated for insider trading at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. I'll read from this pro-publicist uh, outfit about this story that's actually breaking right now. After Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina dumped more than $1.6 million in stocks in February of 2020, a week before the coronavirus market crash, he called his brother-in-law, according to a new Securities and Exchange Commission filing. They talked for 50 seconds. Burr, according to the SEC, had material non public information regarding the inc- incoming economic impact of coronavirus. The very next minute, Burr's brother in law, Gerald Foth, he called his broker. <laughs> ProPublica previously reported that Foth, a member of the National Mediation Board, had dumped stock the same day Burr did, but it was previously unknown that Burr and Foth spoke that day and that their contact came just before Foth began the process of dumping stock himself. So, boy, oh, boy, are both parties to blame for some of the corruption in Washington, D.C. And I don't want to hear any excuses. Oh, well, you know, whatever. I can't even make up an excuse, and I usually can. But, um. You know, the insider trading thing, it, it, it's it's really just used for political purposes. If you're not a part of the swamp and you do insider trading, well, they're going to come after you. But if you are maybe the Fed chairman, which is that, a, that's a whole show in and of itself. If you're the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, and you do insider trading, well, it's fine. What's the big deal? I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> My bad, insider trading. I just saved myself a couple million dollars uh, based on the insider knowledge, but mm, not a big deal not a big deal. Totally being cynical here, but we'll move on before I chase another rabbit. Um, I want to welcome to the line, we have three doctors with us, all from the state of Mississippi, the good old hospitality state, the Magnolia State, the In God We Trust state, by the way, that's on our state flag now. Uh, I'm going to introduce Dr. John Witcher, Dr. Jeff Howard, and Dr. Wesley Granger, all from Mississippi, uh, starting with I would say, welcome, guys. Then all three of you are going to talk over each other. I've done this before, and I've been I've been on the other end. Uh, but we'll start with you, John, and then we'll go John to Jeff to Wesley. John, tell us a little bit about uh, your background, Doctor Witcher, and then we'll move to Jeff and Wesley.
4: All right. Well, my name is Doctor John Witcher, and I'm a uh, general practice physician. Been practicing in rural Mississippi since 1996. Currently, I'm the uh, ER medical director and hospitalist at Baptist uh, Yazzie Medical Center in Yazzie City.
0: Excellent. All right. So that's Dr. Doctor Witcher, And uh, Dr. Howard, tell us a little bit about yourself, brother.
4: Uh, yeah,
1: I'm an interventional radiologist. I work here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Um, I also do diagnostic radiology, but, but I mainly do interventional radiology. And I've been up here for about 15 years. And I went to uh, University of Mississippi Medical Center during my residency and fellowship.
0: Excellent, excellent. Uh, so you're you're an Ole Miss guy, or are you, or did you just use them uh, well, for the I, degree? Actually, actually <laughs> I'm
1: from Texas. yeah, I'm from Texas. Grew up in Texas, and uh, and went to college and medical school in Texas. Gotcha. But got uh, of a transplant.
0: All right. Well, well, we'll accept you here in the state of Mississippi. Hey, uh, Dr. Granger, am I, am I pronouncing your last name correctly? It's Granger. Granger. All right. Dr. Granger, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background.
5: Well, um, I'm uh, internal medicine. I've been here in the Jackson, Mississippi area for about 32 years, by God's grace. And, uh, and I just uh, really enjoy my practice of internal medicine, and I try to integrate the spiritual with holistic with traditional medicine. And uh, if you can just keep this secret, uh, I did go to University of Mississippi Medical Center, only,
0: <laughs> but my my true allegiance is to Mississippi State University. Go dogs! Go dogs. <laughs> That's right, Hell State. Go dogs! Man, I should have worn my my outfit today. Uh, tomorrow's Maroon Friday. Maybe I'll wear it tomorrow. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, Doctor Witcher, we'll start. We'll go. We'll go back this route, and and I just want to get you guys get your input on this, uh, starting with Doctor Witcher. Um, the mandates are are here i mean i would say they're coming but they're here and we have i I think the most the most aggressive mandate that we've seen to date is the one by the biden administration that it has to do with federal contractors and i just learned today i didn't realize this federal contractors that is way broad i mean we're talking universities that accept federal dollars that even uh, converts to federal contractors uh so so let's talk about these mandates dr witcher and your perspective of of mandating a, a still experimental shot.
4: And, and that's, that's it, Walker, an e- experimental shot. That's what it boils down to, that it's not FDA approved here in the United States. These are totally 100% uh, voluntary. And, uh, you know, these the vaccine mandates, I, I believe God has given us freedom over our bodies. And, and we should have the freedom to, you know, choose a shot or not. And, uh, and that's what we're concerned. We, we know these vaccines have a risk involved, up to including death. You know, the CDC, theirs uh, reports uh, over 17,000 deaths at this point. And that's after being vaccinated with a COVID-19 vaccine. So we're concerned. And uh, we don't believe in, in vaccine mandates. And we want uh, Governor Reeves, I know he's pushing them back against Biden, but he, he's got to push back against Dr. Dobbs. that's that's our real problem in the state here
0: yeah yeah hey hey dr howard on the on the shots you know uh it's one thing and this is really getting overlooked and i know you guys are probably talking about this um but uh and by the way uh, these three doctors along with others are part of a group that is a newly formed group called mississippi against mandates mississippians against mandates so we'll give out their website talk about you guys actually have an event tomorrow night we'll talk about that too um, but, but Dr. Howard, uh, on this, on this entire debate on the shot, whether or not to be able to legally mandate the shot, uh, the, the part that is getting not even talked about is the efficacy, uh, cause there is the safety discussion, which is a whole discussion in and of itself, but it's, but in order to really have a compelling argument for shot mandates, you have to have a compelling argument that the thing works, that it's, that it's, you know very very efficacious very very uh, affi- uh- effective so talk a little bit about that
1: well that's a good question um, the uh the efficacy trials that you're that they talk about when they when you hear it on the news or you hear it from the fda those were the original trials that were done over the first six months, and those trials were done with these vaccines against the legacy virus the original coronavirus. And as you know, you've seen in the papers, you've seen, I've seen in peer-reviewed journals, they don't have any, you know, data. They did not use that data when they uh, recently regarding how well does this vaccine work against these variants, such as the Delta variant. You can, we've got studies out of Israel and studies out of other countries showing that all of these patients that have been double vaccinated, the great majority of those patients in the hospital are now double vaccinated. And uh, another thing that they're not talking about is, if these are, if these, if they want to follow science, why are we telling people who have already gotten this, the, the COVID-19, they've gotten the coronavirus, they've overcome it, they're better now, they've got natural immunity, why are you telling those those people that they get the vaccine? It doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't follow science.
0: Yeah, the natural immunity, the evidence, Dr. Howard, to your point behind the evidence supporting natural immunity is very robust. And this goes even pre-COVID, pre this strain of coronavirus. I mean, uh, viruses in the past, uh, we go back to the early 2000s to the the first uh, strain of coronavirus or, or the, the breakout in China as well. Imagine that, the uh, breakout out of China. Uh, the, there were people that were exposed to that back in the early 2000s that uh, as of 2020, they still had the antibodies against COVID, and that's a a totally different strain, but still, nonetheless, the principle could be applied to this, and the studies are showing that natural immunity is very, very strong in people who have overcome COVID-19. Hey, Dr. Granger, um, I want to ask you about pregnancy, because we're hearing from even Dr. Dobbs and others, Dr. Fauci, that, uh, Dr. Dobbs of Mississippi, that is, that um, is th- this shot is totally safe and effective for pregnant women. Totally safe and effective for pregnant women. Talk a little bit about that and your perspective of whether you think that's true or not, or we just don't know yet.
5: Well, we know. We know. We, ha- we have data to, to tell us clearly that it is not safe. Uh, Pfizer, if I'm not mistaken, at one point advised that it should be not given in pregnant women. But if you look at the VARES study, and your, your viewers can, can view this in, in case they've not heard of this before, is com. Another source I get good information from, among many others, is vaxxchoice.com. You see a lot of good news articles on vaccine research and that sort of thing. But the VARES study showed at one point about 1,300 unborn babies died from the pregnant. Uh, mother taking the vaccine. Hmm. Now, we do know that the is less that's less than 10% of what's really going on out there. There's, there's less than 10% of the cases report into VARS. So there's a Dr. Jessica Ross. She's a computational biologist. She has a PhD in that. She's an expert in this area. She testified recently before the FDA advisory board last month, and she said that you have to multiply it by a certain factor. And she said just based on that, it's really 66,000 unborn babies died as a result of this. If Also, if you look at the FDA, they had a paper out, a sort of a preliminary side effect profile that basically listed what they knew would be the side effects. And, and what was listed was basically the birth defects, pregnancy, and birth issues, and so forth. But they didn't transfer that over on... On the document regarding the vaccine, but there's evidence they had all of this information. They knew all of this. They knew about the Embry death, autoimmune disorders. They knew it all, but they they concealed it. So, but as far as pregnancy is concerned, it's not safe. Also, our friend Dr. Jancy Chung Lindsay, she's a molecular biologist uh, in Texas. She was one of the first scientists that I know that made the link between the antibody to the spike protein spike protein and the virus. That's one of the mechanisms as far as how this vaccine damages the body. She made the link between the antibody to the spike protein cross-reacting to uh, tissues in our body, proteins in our body, and so forth. She made the link between the antibody to the spike protein attacking the syncytin S-Y-N-C-I-T-I-N, which is a protein that's found in the reproductive areas of humans, and that may be a, a probable mechanism as far as why there could be infertility problems, pregnancy issues, and so forth. So it is most definitely not safe in pregnant women.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you, glad you made that that emphatic statement uh, because it's true. You know, we my, my wife currently is carrying our fourth child, uh, Isaac, baby Isaac. She's about 25 weeks along. You know, but doctors, OBGYNs, doctors are very, very strict about what medications pregnant women can take, and rightfully so because they're – I mean, you have to be very careful about what also uh, goes into the, you know, the bloodstream of the baby because the mom and the baby share that. So uh, but but to hear people say and to hear doctors around the country say, oh, it's absolutely safe and effective beyond the shadow of a doubt without any disclaimers, any caveats. I mean, to me, that's very scary. That's concerning Um, to have that to have no caveats. And, and, And women are going, okay. So they're getting it and 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 Dr. Granger, who knows what's happening? I mean, is there you have the various database, but the as far as these clinical trials, i mean the, the, the data is is very hard to come by as far as definitive data on clinical trials with pregnant women.
5: well, I, I would say this. we've seen enough to say you shouldn't do it. I mean, there's also the evidence of of uh, uh, viral shedding or spike protein shedding. Uh, there's, If you look at some of the surveys, the miscarriage rate since the vaccines have come on board in this country has gone up anywhere from 300 to 600%. There are some physician groups in the country that actually query their patients to find out whether or not they've been vaccinated. and They, they tell them not to come into the clinic, especially if they have pregnant employees. So this is definitely a real problem. And with, with this sort of data why should we exercise caution and say don't do it
0: Hmm. hey dr Witcher, i want to get your your personal perspective more narrowly about how you're handling this with patients because you know some some doctors are saying well you know here's what i think about it and they'll give the pros and the cons others are like emphatically you should get it no questions asked and if you dare question whether you should get it well, then, all the t- all of a sudden, you're an anti-vaxxer, and you're a moron, and you're a dummy, which is what they think I am now because I cover this stuff every day. Um, but, Doctor, what's your? I mean, what's your view of this from your uh, practicing perspective?
4: Well, from my perspective, <clears throat> my local hospital. You know, we, uh, for example, you know, when the pr- vaccines first came out, uh, they wanted to vaccinate everybody, and so. Uh, they came to me, and of course there's a big stack of papers that, that each person should be told about. but uh, in there is it, it's experimental authorization. And uh, so this this the uh, vaccine's voluntary. Mm. So you know I, I wasn't real, I didn't want to sign a blanket order for all the employees to get the vaccines because I felt like it's you know each each employee needs to, to specifically be told the risk associated with the vaccine hey, so i have a problem with that let me, that's, that's like going to walmart they, they don't ask you they don't tell you the risk they just say which arm do you want the shot in <laughs> and that's not appropriate they don't get any follow-up after what what happens if, if there's side effects if, if there's some problems down the road yeah hey we we'll, no continuity of care we're coming back American
2: family association's mission is to inform equip and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture we also support the church Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. And we thank you for your support. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and president of the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, in an evolutionary sense, what do the terms advanced and primitive mean? Crisp primitive animals are thought to be those that evolved long ago, which gave rise to more and more advanced types. Single cell organisms are the most primitive and then marine invertebrates and up to fish, amphibians, mammals, and eventually man, the most advanced of all. Within each mammal type, evolutionists say that the more advanced ones are the ones that are modern, but extinct varieties were hardly primitive. Chris, the whole concept of primitive advances an evolutionary idea which is wrong on the face of it. Evolution did not happen. God created each basic category, much as we see it today. None is more advanced than the other. Each is complex. And that's the way I see it from a Back to Genesis perspective. Visit our website at icr.org. I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio.
0: Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. We're speaking on the phone with Dr. John Witcher, Dr. Jeff Howard, and Dr. Wesley Granger all uh, physicians practicing in the state of Mississippi, and they are part of a group uh, Mississippi Mississippians Against Vaccine Mandates. And so we're talking with them about this overall arching discussion uh, over mandates of the shot, of the jab, and and, and what their view of it is. Uh, Dr. Witcher, those radio breaks are no friend uh, to myself, (laughs) nor you. Uh, Sorry about that go ahead and finish your thought the, uh, what the question was about uh, how you're handling this with those within your purview and where you practice as far as the mandate goes
4: yeah so we were we were mandated to get vaccinated at uh, baptist and uh so that's a, that's what got us all started many of us doctors nurses and healthcare workers did not feel like we wanted to be uh, vaccinated or mandated to be vaccinated so many of us felt like we had natural immunity. You know, we've been face to face with COVID since day one. And uh, so some of us have gotten COVID, some of us didn't. And so we felt like we had, we have natural immunity and so we didn't want to take the risk of getting vaccinated. So we all pulled together and that's how this got started. And other doctors around the state came together with the same, same feelings, you know, healthcare workers, citizens, other people that felt like they you know did not want to take the risk to be vaccinated. So, that's where we're at now. Uh, we believe that, uh, you know, we, we want, uh, we, we see what the problem is, is, you know, it, it's really socialized medicine. When you, when you just boil it right down to it, mm-hmm. it, it's the government doctors that are that are controlling everything. And it starts with Dr. Fauci, comes with Dr. Dobbs, and uh, of course, Dr. Dan Edney is the chief medical officer of the public health department. And those guys, you know, that they've they've actually taken over the Mississippi State Medical Association. Mm. So I've canceled my membership there, and uh, I've gone over to the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, and I would encourage all doctors who want to be independent thinkers and who want to put the patients first, because that's really what it boils down to. We want to put our patients first, let them have choices on whether they want to be vaccinated or not, or if they want to use different medications that, you know, the uh, uh, that uh, the government doctors don't, don't want them to use, you know, mm. things such as ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, et cetera things that Peter McCullough has, and other doctors have come up with protocols. And, and so that's what we believe in. We, we believe that we need to put the power back, uh, give it back to the patient.
0: You know, that's, uh, that, that's a fundamental, I think that's our fundamental difference here with those of us here who believe in freedom of choice and those who believe everything should come from the top down. I mean, the whole idea that bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. and at the CDC can, 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 micromanage our health care i mean that's insane that will never work i mean this is a terrible idea no matter what your worldview is it's, it's it's well it's never worked out and it yeah. never will work out
4: never worked out. i mean doctors I, I don't know why we're all of a sudden trusting big pharma i mean <laughs> yeah. big pharma has a track record and, and i think any doctor that's honest with himself do not trust the pharmaceutical companies i mean We've just seen too many times where they've come out with new medications or drugs and said, this is this is it. Two, two or three years later, they take it off the market. So, you know, uh, why are we all of a sudden uh, just uh, following the big pharma? And, and I think you can go back to look at Dr. Fauci and uh, look at, uh, you know, Bill Gates. And uh, there's a book that, that people can get, COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are the prey. And that's by Dr. Peter Bregan, mm. and you'll find Dr. Peter McCullough in that book. And that explains a lot. You know, it it, it, it talks about the Great Reset, the One World uh, New World Order, or One World Order, however you want to say that. But I believe that's where we're at at this point. You know, I mean, I'm a I'm a God-fearing man. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not ashamed of that. And you know, my father uh, Henry Witcher, he he was an ordained minister. We were. He's from Tupelo. He got uh, ordained at age of 17 right there in the Bissell Baptist Church. Mm. And that was in the 1950s, and so he, he raised me, and, I, and so I, I believe that, uh, you know, I, I'm concerned. Yeah. I'm concerned that, uh, you know, uh, these vaccines are being pushed on us to the point we, we it's taken all of our freedoms away.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right, and Bissell's not too far from my house. I live in Belden. You know, the the I, I would go as far to say FDA equals Big Pharma. That's what I wrote down on my notes here. FDA equals Big Pharma, because when you look at who they hire, who Big Pharma hires when they get done at the FDA, I mean, they pretty much hire all these guys that run the FDA. And the, the two, uh, the two individuals that led the FDA under President Trump, they're both working for Pfizer now. Um one I know at least one of them was working for Pfizer the uh, Scott I, for, I forget his last name uh but but this whole this whole in bed with big pharma thing never works out good uh Dr. Howard because you you're removing objectivity and you're tying the big dollar in the decision making here.
1: Yeah, um absolutely. We uh we know that uh a lot of the the data that was presented to the FDA the other day regarding the children. Um, we know that that data is not applicable anymore because it was it was out of, like i said before. It was out of those first studies. And what they did when they did the original trial with the vaccines on the children is is they they've really uh, set those trials up to where if they knew that these. Vaccines had significant side effects, and they knew what the incidence of it was. Well, all you got to do is you just got to make your trial smaller, like say one in four thousand patients is going to get mild carditis well you uh that's pre- pretty pretty uh, a significant that's one patient that could die you know from getting this vaccine, so you keep your number of people in the study low, which is what they did, mm-hmm. and they also kept the study short, which is what they did and so so none of these these uh, these safety signals really came up during the study. and in some of the studies they did, the, if if the patient's having significant side effects after one of the doses, then they didn't get the second dose and they were taken out of the study. These are all things that they're not shared with the public, and so then they come out with the at the end of the study, and they say, okay, well these this this, this these vaccines give you a 95 percent relative risk reduction. OK, well, if it's a ninety nine percent chance that you're going to survive the uh, covid virus, you get this vaccine and now it's what, ninety nine point five percent chance you're going to survive. Hmm. So the absolute risk reduction is about 05 percent. So they and they don't tell you that. Right. But and because the, the general public just doesn't you know, they don't do what we do every day. They don't understand. But they absolute risk is zero point five percent improvement. And it's you know, that's. When you see all the side effects that can happen to these kids, by the way, that's what got me into this. When I said when they said they were going to start in uh, immunizing or vaccinating children yes. and pregnant women, I was like this, this is you know, this has gone beyond uh, ridiculous. It doesn't follow the science mm-hmm. and it's it's absolutely dangerous. And that's what got me in this fight. when the, when John called me uh, the very first week he started this group, it was a no-brainer for me at that point because I knew what was coming, and uh, I'm very proud to be a part of this group.
0: Mm, amen. Hey, uh, doctor, uh, by the way, the two the two former Trump guys that I mentioned, uh, Stephen Hahn, he's the former FDA commissioner under President Donald Trump. He joined a joint f- venture capital firm, Flagship Pioneering, as their chief medical officer, officer, and they ended up partnering with Moderna on the jab production. And then uh, Scott, scott Gottlieb, if i'm pronouncing his last name correctly he's also a former fda commissioner under president trump and he just conveniently joined pfizer's board of directors uh back in 2019 so uh the connections between the fda and big pharma are plenty uh dr dr granger i want to ask you about the monoclonal antibody treatment because this is uh hey dr granger do i still have you there
5: yes yes you do
0: yeah what uh what do you? What's your view of the antibody treatment, the IV treatment, uh, for, the, uh, for the monoclonal antibody treatment? Okay. Uh,
5: first, if I could just make a small comment, uh, I don't. think A lot of your viewers may know that the FDA and the CDC also get some of their funding from big pharma, so it's kind of like the group that you're trying that you're assigned to regulate. They're helping to support your your operating budget, and so I just think they're. That's obviously. Uh, sort of a conflict of interest and opens up to corruption and so forth. Mm. Um, I was initially uh, all in okay with the monoclonal. I, I read that it was very, very effective and so forth. And actually our clinic signed up uh, to, uh, to administer their treatment. But then something uh, just gave me a check in my spirit, and I started doing a little review and research. And I said, well, the first thing that came to mind is, what is Dr. Anthony Fauci's view on this? And so I looked it up, and he was actually really promoting it. So I lost my peace. Hmm. You know, the Bible tells us to let the peace in our heart rule, And I couldn't find anything, anything in the literature that would say this is bad, it's got parasite eggs in it and things like that, which some of these vaccines have been found to have in it. But I just had a major check in my spirit because he has been wrong on so much, and he, is, he has a different agenda, and that agenda is an evil agenda. Hmm. It is a one-world government depopulation agenda, and I think we need to call it for what it is. Yes. This whole thing is an effort at genocide, and uh, I just don't think that uh, we should sit back and just watch it happen and hope that they won't bother us.
0: Yeah, and to to your point, uh, I played the clip of Bill Gates back years ago at the TED Talk saying that he, he was talking about how we're going to reduce world population, and one of the tools, he said, was through vaccines. Wait, yes. I thought vaccines are supposed to save life. How are we going to use yes. vaccines to reduce population? So you're right, Dr. Granger. Their agenda is out there. All you have to do is dig just a little bit below the surface. Yes. Yes, and, sir. And, and, so Go ahead.
5: Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, sir. That, I, I saw that clip also. He said that actually uh, he was asked a question regarding human population. He said that I'm convinced that in the future we can design a human vaccine vaccine that can decrease the human population by 10 to 14%. And then now Dr. Anthony Fauci, he gave a 2017 speech at Georgetown University, and he made the comment that he is convinced that the president at that time, Trump, before he left office, he was convinced that he would face a worldwide pandemic problem. And it's just throughout the, if you do the research, you can find these people that plan this. This pandemic or pandemic has been in the works for at least 10 plus years. A lot of your viewers may not know that the vaccine they've been trying to Develop a coronavirus vaccine for at least ten, maybe fifteen years, and it didn't work. I mean, the vast majority of the animals died within two years, probably from something we call antibody-dependent enhancement. Mm. So, why would you offer that to the to the public unless you had a sinister underlying motive to give it to them?
0: Yeah, and Doctor Doctor Robert Malone, the inventor of the mRNA technology, has echoed the same thing you just said there. So this this is this is being corroborated. By a lot of people who are looking into this and know what they're talking about. Hey, the last word we'll get here is Dr. Howard. You're having uh, your group is having an event tomorrow in Jackson area with Dr. Peter McCullough, who y'all cited a couple of times. Tell us a little bit about that event.
1: Well, first off, Dr. McCullough
0: is—you've
1: probably seen him. He's been on Fox News. He's been on a, a bunch of been on here. Radio yeah he's been on here and uh just for your audience you know he could you can find him on america out loud radio but uh he's he's got so many credentials behind his name it's amazing he's a cardiologist he's a nephrologist he is an epidemiologist and uh and we're very excited and he's he's written over forty patient uh, papers on uh on the coronavirus probably uh, i don't know what his total number of of research papers is, but it's in the hundreds. He's more, and, he's
0: more cited in his, in his, in his specialty than anybody else.
1: Oh yeah. He's, he's a editor of three separate medical journals. So, uh, basically, and he's the one that inspired me to join the American uh, association of physicians and surgeons who, who, uh, that the physician patient relationship is the most important relationship when it comes to medicine. Hmm. And I totally agree. Well, he's coming to talk with us. He's going to at six o'clock on Friday night at the Hilton on County Line Road in Ridgeland, which is just North Jackson. He's going to be there speaking. I think he'll he'll kind of be I think he starts his talk at seven o'clock and then we'll be doing some stuff after that. And we'll be we'll have those books available that Dr. Witcher talked about. Um, Great. And uh, and it's going to be very educational. We would love for anybody to just show up and come to it, especially people in, uh, at the university medical center, mm-hmm. you know, general public. And I would love to see Dr. Thomas Dobb and, uh, our governor, Tate Reeves to show up too. Yes, uh,
0: absolutely. wonderful. Yeah. They need, they need yeah. to be exposed to this truth here. Hey, uh, gentlemen, thank you for coming on. We'll link to your event on our podcast page. Thank you guys for coming on. We'll have you on again. Thank uh-huh. you. Thank you, Walker. All right, God bless. Keep up the good work. Uh, thank you. We need more men and women just like that. Man, we need to multiply. That's what we need to do. Hey, by the way, Marty slipped me a show note. He says, this show is so pulled by Facebook and YouTube. So you betcha these uh, these guys at Facebook and YouTube, they're going to go and they're going to yank this video down. But I got some good news for you. I got some good news for you. Starting Monday... We're launching our own video streaming platform. So guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna upload this show a little bit early to the streaming platform. That way, Monday, when we launch it, you can create a free account, watch this episode a hundred times, however many times you want. That's what we're gonna do. We're skirting big tech. I'm giddy with excitement, just giddy. Me too, We're, we're skirting big tech. Who needs YouTube and Facebook anymore? We're gonna build our own platform. We're launching it Monday. It's already built, by the way. AFA at the core, I'm Walker Wildman. Don't forget to check out our website, AFR.net. Download the AFR app, and we'll see you next time.
2: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast